The views expressed in this episode are that of the interviewee and are not necessarily held by RCVS Knowledge. Welcome to this Vet Team AMR podcast from RCVS Knowledge, leading responsible antimicrobial use in farm, companion and equine teams. Hi everyone. Today I'm going to talk to Danny Chambers. Danny is well known to a lot of you. Um, he's an equine vet, he's on RCVS Council. He's also a trustee of RCVS Knowledge, which is great for us, and of Vet Life, and one of the founders of Vet Voices. Hi, Danny. Hello. Hi. Um, I, we're going to chat today, if that's right with you, about this antibiotic amnesty that's coming up. Yes, no, this is fantastic. This is, you know, as a trustee of RCVS Knowledge, I think it's probably one of the most important things that we do because it's probably engaging both with the veterinary profession and with owners in a very meaningful way and especially in, it's not just about animal health it's about public health as well so I think this is these initiatives we did it last year and the year before I think didn't we and I think they're, they're really they're important definitely last year yes and and it was it started and it was quite successful that I think they've done them in in human health care before um but how did you get interested in, in antimicrobial stewardship I've always had a big interest in sort of epidemiology and uh, infectious disease control. And I did an MSc in that um, when I was halfway through my vet course, intercalated at Liverpool. And and certainly from a global health point of view, um, the World Health Organization has antimicrobial resistance and its top 10 risks to global public health. And that's alongside things like the risk of pandemics, which they actually had on the register um you know well before the um, COVID-19 pandemic and climate change uh, vaccine hesitancy there's quite a few of them but antimicrobial resistance is up there in about number three and it's probably sobering to think that in if we don't um take very urgent action as a global community on this we'll probably find more people die every year from antimicrobial resistance or bacterial resist you know, bacteria resistant to antibiotics um than they did from COVID, you know and that'll become the new norm and you almost go back in the, the worst case scenario is you go back to a sort of a pre-antibiotic world you know where um we've had this where antibiotics which have saved you know, so many lives and, and have made occasional infections become so trivial injuries and we could go back to being in a situation where um, people can die from, you know, a, what we'd consider now to be a minor, uh, a trivial infection. And so we don't take it seriously enough, even though we're all academically aware of um, of the problems. Once Until it really starts, you know, to start seeing people sort of die of it, then I guess people um, just don't, it doesn't feel like there's always something more urgent, isn't it? There's always a bigger pressure or something else to think about and especially when we're thinking about our, you know standing in the consult room or standing in front of a horse you've got you're busy you're running late and often you don't have time to think about the sort of rationale for prescribing sometimes no that's right and, and that's a, a really good point about covid i mean it's, i think at least that's sort of drawn it to people's attention that these major things can happen and can have mega impacts on human health and and like you say when when you're standing there in front of an owner and sometimes there's pressure from owners too isn't there to to prescribe antibiotics yes we've talked about this before the it's, i'd say especially in the equine world as someone who does I, I, my main job is being a horse vet but i do some small animal locoming and i used to do a lot of mixed work um the farm as well but I think the horse owning community puts a lot of pressure on vets to leave them antibiotics. And they often phone up 
almost demanding antibiotics without a visit even um, and they think they can judge you know whether a wound is infected or not or whether it will get infected or not um, and there's this perception that antibiotics are required you know for everything from a snotty nose to any type of injury and certainly my sort of experience of treating certainly horse wounds and, um, and and dealing with owners for a long time now is that I'd say the majority of time that the owner thinks they need antibiotics, they don't. And you can normally avoid using them. And most of that is down to how you handle the owner and how you communicate with them and how you sort of reassure them as, and sort of take them on that journey. Um, I guess one thing that I find very interesting, some people I know have done a lot of sort of um, research and campaigning on the, on the use of non-evidence-based therapies, like different types of alternative medicine and and I find that the horse owning community on average is really into that kind of thing and they and if you sort of address their concerns in a way that shows that you're looking at the good of the whole horse so just for example if I see a wound I often say well what we want to we don't want to give drugs unnecessarily um you know and you know we don't want to have any unnecessary side effects and at the moment this wound isn't infected so they wouldn't actually do any good these antibiotics um but if we can use something like manuka honey you know oh, horse owners they love that stuff mm. they love it if you get out manuka honey they think it's some kind of magic and they think you're um <laughs> really uh, progressive and that you're, you're using natural remedies and um and they and they're absolutely they're really happy about this and it's also managing expectations as well i think um if you see an animal that you know maybe it will need antibiotics in a couple of days time if you see a, a wound it maybe it won't but it's managing that expectation where you say look this at the moment it's not infected if we can keep it clean enough and with sort of strict wound management and diligent wound management it probably won't need them maybe it will and if it does need antibiotics then we will prescribe them but we're not going to give them you know until it's necessary and it sort of avoids that um thing that we all worry about where a wound gets infected three or four days later and then the owner's on the phone very angry going why didn't you leave antibiotics this has happened because you didn't leave antibiotics you can almost take them on a, to a gentle journey where the onus is on them to avoid the antibiotics by equipping them and empowering them um, to manage a wound and giving them things to put on it and you know some of the time I think what we put on the wound I don't know how much of a difference it makes but the fact that they have to clean it twice mm. a day before they replace the flamazine <laughs> it means they are cleaning it twice a day they're seeing it twice a day you know they often keep you tell them to keep it you know out of the mud keep it in a nice clean and I think that, that it's all those kind of things that you can do to enable them to manage the wound better so that antibiotics are seen as a last resort and then if they're necessary they're necessary but you're not just giving them anyway and you almost want the owner to feel like we've all failed if we have to resort to antibiotics yeah it's like it's like they say um as as little as you know you've got to use them when when they're really necessary that's the thing and, and other things like infection control are so important and in um in small animal bsava have non-prescription pads that you can actually mm. write these things down for owners which i think is a great idea but how do you think we can reassure the vet team um that they can do these things give them the confidence i mean you know so especially like maybe people who don't see horses as often or newer graduates how are we going to give them the confidence to be able to um to, to manage this with owners? I think there's a very big thing we need to do as a veterinary community, um, both within a practice and 
as a profession in general is all to be genuinely singing from the same hymn sheet. So especially as a new graduate, and this has happened to me, you know, you go out, you see a horse, the owner demands antibiotics. And I remember a case when I was a fairly new graduate, um, the, we went to see a foal, nothing wrong with it. The owner wanted an injection of uh, penicillin because she always had an injection of penicillin for her foals um, when they were 24 hours old, even though there was nothing wrong with it whatsoever. And I, was, I don't see why we need to give a one-off injection of penicillin and refuse to give it. And um, I got told off by my boss and they gave uh, a free visit, which I had to do. And um, and I had to go and give this injection. <laughs> no, it wasn't me that went. Someone else went out and they did the, the free injection and she got a discount off the next visit. And it was all arranged so I wouldn't have to go to that yard again because um, to keep her happy. And it completely undermines you because now I've got more confidence and experience that probably wouldn't have got as far as her complaining to the practice. But um, in my naivety, I just turned up, saw a completely healthy foal, didn't see why it needed a one-off injection of antibiotic. And that was perceived by the client as the wrong thing to do. And that instead of taking the opportunity to educate her, the practice gave her discounts, free visits, and sort of changed the rotor so I'd never have to go there again. Yeah. Um, and that's where it completely undermines you, doesn't it? And the client uh, is then justified in their complaint, you know, which... Yeah, um, I mean, that, so, pra that practice, I would say, they should have had some guidelines in place um, you know, looking at the evidence as well, as you said, and, and maybe protect me and, and Beaver have got lots of protect me um, resources, haven't they? And, and we've got great um, vet team AMR resources at Knowledge, but they should have had guidelines in place. So as you say, everybody finishes up singing from the same hymn sheet where appropriate. And that's between practices as well. So there's nothing more infuriating than going seeing a horse, saying we don't need antibiotics, and then finding they got a box off another practice that possibly didn't even... <laughs> <laughs> see the horse because they just they're registered of everyone they gave them a call and said I need a box then you're the difficult practice that won't give them for no reason and they're the um you know the, the helpful um practice that gives them out all the time and I, I think you know th th there shouldn't be an option where if one vet says no they phone up another practice and get them and and actually just touching on that not to go into the detail of it but everyone's aware that we've got a, a new guidance from the icvs about prescribing and under care and i was on the standards committee of that and one of the things that i was uh, very um uh, pushing was that you know antimicrobials and we took the definition from the world health organization to include wormers and and, and antifungals and and antiparasites and as well as the um um antibiotics is that you know you, you can't be prescribing these without seeing an animal no. now with, with a few limited exceptions which i won't go into here um but the reason i think it's really important for rcvs to have guidance like that is that it does protect vets because it sometimes is hard to say no to difficult clients and to clients that have stuck in their ways or had a long relationship for a practice where they've always managed to get the antibiotics they want and actually if you can sort of almost say look this is out of my hands the rules say i'm not allowed you can't just phone up and get a box of antibiotics i'm not being awkward the rcvs says i'm not allowed to do this and you can almost use that as a shield you know to to, to to take the right course of action and they can't be annoyed if you personally about that you know and i think that's a really people often see rcvs rules as a hindrance or problematic and actually i think we should be using them as um as a, a way of um uh, of managing situations to our own advantage and i think that's a, a really good example of how we can do that Definitely. And, and you know, uh, my um, background is very much in practice standards. And I know that lots of practices 
um, used the practice standards um, standards yeah. in order to get things done that um, needed doing that maybe maybe practice uh, someone in the practice wasn't so keen on doing. So yeah, sometimes rules are really useful, aren't they? But there's also loads of um, um, free CPD resources, aren't there, at Vet Team AMR? Have you looked at those at all? Yeah, I mean, on the RCVS Knowledge website, brilliant in general um, for free CPD and really useful, yeah, um, yeah, quality improvement stuff. But yeah, the the um, the vet team stuff on AMR is excellent. And I think you know, speaking specifically about the equine world, um, we we I think compared to farm animal and small animal, our antibiotic auditing is not as good. Um, we for understandable and practical reasons we often don't do culture and sensitivity before we prescribe antibiotics and there's a couple of good reasons for that and one is that we don't have many oral antibiotics we can give anyway so, and so if you've got a broad spectrum tmps it's pretty much the only thing the owner can have so you're going to end up using it and it is appropriate most of the time but one reason that we're not sure how much multi-drug resistant there is in equine is because we only tend to swab especially wounds if it's not responding to treatment and so rather than in the ideal world you know in an ideal world you'd swab everything before you prescribed it and we're only swabbing when there's a problem so it does make it hard to um hard to work out just what the prevalence of antimicrobial resistance is in equine but um but yeah no the, the, the some of the resources on the vet team amr thing does show how you can do antibiotic auditing in equine practice and it'd be really good if equine practices really engaged with that. And, and you know, we do, you know, a lot of practices do these audits anyway. And I, I work for Equicall, which is part of CVS. And we know that equine vets and CVS have certainly significantly reduced the antibiotic prescribing over the last few years. Um, and I think that's a really positive step in the right direction. Yeah, and I've, I've talked to some um, people who won some of the antimicrobial st stewardship awards that we had at Knowledge um, for podcasts, and they found, like, for instance, a small animal practice that stopped using antibiotics generally for cat bite abscesses, and they had great results with that. But also, as a knock-on from that, everybody in the practice started thinking about all the other places where they might use antibiotics. So, um, yeah, I think once you're aware of it, it's, it makes you start to think about it, doesn't it? It really does. And the bolder you get, the more you um, um, confidently get not to use antibiotics, even as a clinician. Um, I think there's two things that have made a, um, informed me massively over the years. Is one, I've done a lot of work in uh, India and um, parts of Africa, and often we give no drugs at all, but we get, if a wounds, this is in horse wounds, lower limb horse wounds, and simply having people who are having the resources for someone to clean a wound maybe up to eight to ten times a day um it's amazing what heals like deep wounds um you know boiled water that's still warm sometimes ideally just um rigorous wound management these horrific wounds that you definitely give antibiotics to in the uk and you'd be really worried about will will heal up and and the other thing i found is you know all the stuff we did a few years ago talking about different types of alternative medicine just finding that people are using um implausible treatments instead of veterinary treatments and getting better <laughs> and you're just like well <laughs> you know it's clearly not the homeopathy it's it didn't never needed antibiotics you know and i'd love to you know and i think that's that's really humbling isn't it that half yes, the interventions yes. we're doing are, are possibly not benefiting or possibly not necessary 
and and it's also then having the confidence to go well you know if in two days time it turns out it needed antibiotics that wasn't because i was a terrible vet or i completely misjudged it um it's just that's medicine isn't it you know you're better off not giving it to most wounds and occasionally going and, and seeing a seeing it a second time and then giving the antibiotics than you are just giving it to absolutely everything yeah it's first do no harm isn't it because um you know no, there isn't a medicine that exists that doesn't have side effects it's mm. always a risk benefit analysis so um, uh, yeah apart from the amr aspect but another thing that was really interesting from the um survey last they did a survey last year around the antibiotic amnesty and um 46 percent of owners had disposed of antibiotics that were left over from courses of treatment because animals had got better hopefully um in their domestic waste and that's really worrying because of where it finishes up yeah. but 38 percent um had hung on to their antibiotics thinking they might be useful for treating another animal, which is equally as worrying, isn't it? It is. And I think especially in the horse world, there's this, um, uh, most owners really, really want to have a few antibiotic sachets in just in case. And people will even ask you when you go to give a vaccination, could you leave me a few antibiotic sachets in case I need them or in case there's an injury? And it's um, And they borrow them off each other, they share them. They split doses because it lasts longer. You know, it's it's really, um, I think some of our first line antibiotics should almost be treated like controlled drugs. And um, I, I think it's it's that serious and that we should, um, you know, ourselves and the owners should see this, an antibiotic has a, you know, something like, like handling ketamine or something. You know, it's really something you only give when absolutely necessary and not anyone should be able to use it. And it needs the judgment of a clinician um, not not someone um, just demanding it. But if if they've um, hopefully given them in at the amnesty, then they won't have them, and hopefully that that may not happen. So I think it's uh, it's well worth encouraging them. And there's uh, quite a lot to do around owner education, isn't there? Absolutely, yeah. And if they, I would love to see the difference between the response to an antibiotic amnesty between horse owners and and dog and cat owners. I'd love to see how many horse owners would really want to cling on to them. Um, and how many um, dog and cat owners probably wouldn't know what to do with their drugs. It's probably why they flush them down the toilet. You know, they don't actually know what to do with them or no. don't want to keep them anyway. You know, they don't see any use, perceived use for them. Um, but, yeah, no, it would be very interesting to see how many people come forward with this amnesty, especially in equine practice. Yeah, absolutely. And that's maybe something that um, when they're designing surveys to go along with it would be would be a good idea to follow up. So um, repractices that want to do this, there's, there's, look, um, there are the RCBS knowledge resources, like we've said, but there's also uh, resources on RUMA website. And um, I think um, we just want to encourage them to get involved, don't we? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And it's actually um, not that much hassle to get involved. You sort of think, oh, it's another thing I have to do and I don't have time. Actually, these are really accessible. They're really clear. They're really quick and they're, they're really useful and they really do improve the standard of you know, clinical practice and they make you feel like you're actually contributing to um, sort of, well, global public health is a bit grandiose, but if we can yeah, reduce no. the amount of um, antibiotic usage, it will make a, a huge difference. And, um, you know, the veterinary is only one sector which can can help tackle this, this massive issue. Um, but we, you know, we all have to do our part in this. And, and, and I think it helps our human colleagues and vice versa as well. Whereas if we can educate people that, you know, antibiotics aren't something you can just demand in inappropriate situations, they might not do the same from their GP either. And 
um, and we tend to have slightly more time to speak to our clients in equine practice. We have a, you know, a slightly better relate. Well, let's say better relationship, a you know, re repeat relationship. Mm -hmm. We often go back to the same places, the same yards, the same cases again and again and again. Um, and you can really use your because people like their vet as well. They trust their vet, and you can use your sort of status in that relationship to really educate people. And then when they go to the GP with a cold, then they, they hopefully won't be going and thinking, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna leave here until I get my antibiotics. And it could be quite good PR for the practice too, I think, that that your clients can see that you are being socially responsible and trying yeah. to, to um, uh, reduce the, these issues. Yes, definitely. And it's, it's looking after the health of their horses long-term. You know, what are they gonna do in 20 years time if they, can't treat their horses for cuts and you know when they need to when they do need antibiotics well they get something horrible like strangles or something mm. major major yeah. yes oh brilliant well thanks so much for talking to us about it um so what would your final message be to our listeners then oh definitely make more use of the rcvs knowledge website in general and i think um there's it, it's it's really well thought out there's a heck of a lot of useful accessible information on there um, but also use these initiatives like this vet AMR situated you know, as the stepping stone to start using it regularly. Because I think if people actually engage with it, go on and look at it and start using it, they'll realise, you know, that they wish they'd started doing it sort of five years earlier. It really is excellent. Thank you. And they're all free, the resources too, even better. It's free. It's free. It counts as CPD. You can record exactly. it on your one CPD app. It's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it really is excellent. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pam. It was really nice to chat to you. Thank you for listening to this Vet Team AMR podcast from RCVS Knowledge. Visit rcvsknowledge.org forward slash AMR for free CPD, benchmarking and audit tools to improve your antimicrobial use.